Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dude, what are you doing? Oh, I'm clipping and I'm, I'm like cutting little clipping things man well, stop cutting fun. little clipping things we got a show oh. to do pal <laughs> okay we're live oh, oh my god oh my god like wow <laughs> seriously Sorry, stop well, you can put the scissors down you're gonna hurt somebody <laughs> okay here they go how's it going everybody your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday October 14th is just moments away but before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Discover more about our wondrous world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits. From our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world. And learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Ben, what were you clipping and cutting? Um, clipping, I was clipping, clipping articles, which I probably, I don't know why I still clip articles. You know, everything I need is on the internet. You would think I would it, like wake up and realize, Ben, you don't have to clip. Can I make a confession right now, uh, Dennis? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I went through a phase like the entire 90s where I would clip articles. Oh, this is a really important article. I have to remember it. And I would put it in a notebook and I would clip it out and tape it in a notebook and it would be right there. But here's the thing. The notebook filled up so fast. There was no index. There was no table of contents. I would never know where the article was that I needed. <laughs> but I would clip it because that's, you know, kind of like me. I clip art. Oh, this is an important article. I'm going to clip it. In the old days, I used to mail it to people. I work with this guy every day, people. <laughs> All right. It's time for your song of the day. Uh, Frank, thanks as always, man. Uh, your song of the day, Lola by the Kinks. 
Oh my God. Uh, you want the live version? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Just sing it. <laughs> oh man, this is for Michael Girardi. It's for Michael Girardi out there. He was the one who told me that it's not my whole life. I've been mispronouncing Ray Davies' name. It's Ray Davis. And I was like, come on, Girardi. I'm old. You're young. You don't know. What do you know? Okay? You're just some, like, millennial. And then I looked it up, D, and he was right, and I was wrong. It's Ray Davis. But it's hard. Hard to break. Anyway, Ray Davis, of course, is the lead singer, the guitarist, front man for the Kinks, wrote this song. And I'm going to do the live version. Okay, everybody, let's go, Cleveland. Come on, Cleveland. Oh, I hello, see. The hello. live version. The live version, they talk to the crowd. I was wondering what the difference yeah. would be. Okay. Hello. Okay, come back. And the crowd. I'm, I'm the crowd. Hello, 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 hello. What's that? I can't hear you, Cleveland. Hello. You know, I don't even know if there was singing involved in that. (laughs) Do you know the song? Yeah, I know the song. It's one one of the greatest songs, Frank, good choice. One of the greatest songs ever. And I mean, just share this little moment of intimacy with you. That song came out, I want to say, in 1969. I think I was a very young man. I wasn't even a man. I was just a kid. I'm up in my room with my transistor radio, listening to the pop radio. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's he talking about? Is it a man dressed up as a woman? Is it a woman who's a man? I'm confused. I'm only 12 years old. All right, enough of your diary. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Wednesday. It is Wednesday, October 14th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the Amy Barrett Dance Wednesday. And here's why. There's a new dance craze sweeping the nation, ladies and gentlemen. It's called the Amy Slide. Some people call it the Amy Shuffle. It's named for Amy Coney Barrett, the right-wing soldier for Donnie Trump, getting ready to step up to the Supreme Court just in time. To vote whichever way she has to vote in order to get Donald Trump reelected. Because, folks, in politics, as in basketball, it's hard to lose if you own the referees. Anyway, the Amy Shuffle or the Amy Slide is so named. I call it the, the Coney Barrett Bop, actually. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a punk song, something Bop? Blitzkrieg something? Bop. Yeah, very good. Oh. God, your knowledge of punk rock. Who did the Blitzkrieg bot? That would be the Ramones. That's right. Very good. I knew that. I was just leading him. Sure. It's leading question. Good leading question. Joey Ramone. How about that, huh? Oh, How about that my. knowledge? Oh, show's Ramone? over, guys. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yes. The Amy Coney Barrett bop. The Amy slide. The Amy shuffle. Whatever you want to call it. The boogaloo. The Amy boogaloo. Oh. The Amy funky chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you Amy cursed Roach there for a second. Is so named for the nimble, ducking, dodging, dancing, and darting on full display. Let's just call her Sugar Ray Amy. Remember those good old days, D? 
Sugar Ray uh, Pritzker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. J.B. Travolta. Remember those good old days? Come on, let's go back in time. Sugar Ray. Non-sports fans. Oh, God. There's so many of you out there. There was a great boxer. legend. Well, there was Sugar Ray Robinson. There was Sugar Ray Leonard. But they were quick on their feet. They were nimble. They would get in the ring and they would dance and dodge. And the other guy would be like flailing and he couldn't land a punch. J.B. Pritzker was like that. People would be asking him in the old days about raising the rates. And they would, every reporter, every which way you could, would ask the same question 50 different times. I remember that one guy on the radio, where was, <laughs> we, we played it all the time. Oh boy, was like, well, you know, this is really important that you, uh, so we establish this for the people, like laying it out. Like if you got guilt trip Pritzker, Pritzker would give the rates. It, would make, it, it wasn't going to help Pritzker to like play his hand and, to say how much he was going to raise tax rates, Ronner would use it against him. So this guy's like, well, you know, it's really important for the voters to know what the rates are going to be. And Prince is like, oh, I feel so guilty about the voters. I'll be as truthful as I can and give some information that can be used to destroy my campaign. Well, you say it's uh, you say it was those people, but I mean, you tried too. Yes, I did. Uh, what, a, what a moment that was. At least I prefaced it by saying, folks, I'm going to ask this question that you want me to ask him, knowing full well that he's not going to answer it. Why? And then I asked it. <laughs> you got to do it. They kick you out of the journalism club if you don't ask that question. There's a club, a journalism club, and they'll kick you out of it. Mick Dunkey, Danny Mialopoulos, they sit there at the front and they go, um, I am not going to let you in the journalism club unless you ask J.B. Pritzker this question. Uh, do I got it? Yes. So you go, uh, J.B. Pritzker, what are your tax rates going to be? And he's like, I'm not going to answer. Well, that was Amy Cody Barrett yesterday. All right. At the Senate confirmation hearings. What a joke. I don't even know why they're having him. They made it clear from the get-go they were going to confirm her. She can show up with a I love Donnie Trump t-shirt and a MAGA hat and she could be juggling and they're still going to confirm her. The Republicans are going to vote yes to confirm the Democrats are going to vote no. Why are you going through this? Hey, by the way, a little funny aside, I... (laughs) Amy Coney Barrett showed up at the confirmation hearing. Her whole family's with her. They showed up as well. They're all wearing masks. This is something weird I've noticed about Republicans. This is a tangent, D. A tangent within a tangent. I wasn't expecting to go here, but now that I'm going here, I'm let me go here. Like, what's with Republicans? Whenever they get near a Democrat, they put on a mask. Like, guys, you think COVID can only be caught from Democrats? Or maybe they're, like, trying to show they're being respectful. When Trump paid his respects, I got that in quotes, by showing up at Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, uh, what was it? Her body was lying in state at the, outside the Supreme Court. Trump was wearing a mask. That was like the only time that week he was wearing a mask. There was no one around him. He was going to get, he always goes, why do I need to wear a mask? No one's around me. No one has the COVID that's around me. Everybody's tested. Well, certainly there was no one around you that had COVID when you showed up at the Supreme Court steps with them, but to wear the mask. Like, uh, it's like suddenly they think, He's respectful because he's wearing a mask. And it's like Amy Coney Barrett. They had the reception in the White House. It was a super spreader event. A bunch of people got COVID there. It was really irresponsible for Amy Coney Barrett, who's like an educated person after all. She went to law school. She went to college. She's a law professor, a judge. So it was like really not that learned of her not to wear a mask. But she wore it. Why? Because that was the political culture 
in the White House, Donald Trump was uh, disapproved of masks. It made it in mind, it made him look weak. So she didn't wear a mask there. People got the virus. Now suddenly she goes to the Senate here and she's wearing a mask. Who are you kidding, Amy? Anyway, back to the Amy shuffle. Democrats are trying to pin her down on issues like abortion. Of course, Amy Cody Bear is a lifelong opponent to abortion. She's made it clear that she will use whatever tool she has available to see that it's virtually outlawed, but just trying to get her admitted. Man, Senator Dianne Feinstein was bending over backwards, asking the same old question 20 different ways in her frustrated effort to elicit a response. Feinstein be going, will you overturn Roe? Bear would be like, I can't speak in hypotheticals. I need specific cases. Each case is different. Blah, 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 blah. Ever notice how lawyers go all lawyer-like at a nomination hearing? You know, before the hearing, they're as definitive as hell. Abortion is wrong. We must outlaw it now. But you get them on the stand. I mean, excuse me, you get them at a hearing. It's one of these, well, on one hand this, and another hand that, and you have to take this into consideration, and blah, 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 blah. What happened to Dirty Harry, ladies and gentlemen? Uh Uh-oh. Explanation time for you youngsters out there. Dirty Harry was a movie that came out in the 1970s before Dennis was born, starring Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood played a cop, tough-on-crime cop, named Harry Callahan, who beat confessions out of suspects. Man, forget about reading that right stuff. Wait, let's hear that Dirty Harry impression real quick. Are you lucky, punk? You know... Wait, I could do this. Hold on. Let me do this. I could do this. I could conjure it up because I only saw the movie Dirty Harry 442 times as a kid. I love Dirty Harry. To, to tell you the truth and all the... No, I'm not doing John Wayne. To tell you the truth and all my confusion, I forgot whether there were six bullets in this gun or five. Well, do you feel lucky, punk? Do you? <laughs> That's the punk. Oh, oh, oh a punk. There's a scene, the scene out at the start of Dirty Harry where Dirty Harry is getting a hot dog and just like happens, it just happens. I mean, while he's getting the hot dog, some guy's doing a bank robbery across the street. And Clint Eastwood's good, good deal. I, got, I love this hot dog. But he has to put the hot dog down. He pulls out this gun that's as big as a house. Next thing you know, he's like, do you feel lucky, punk? I don't want to give the movie away. Anyway, that was Dirty Harry. He didn't believe in reading rights to suspects. He knew in his heart they were criminals, that they were guilty. And you, the viewer, knew that as well. And all these other, like, do-gooder ACLU types are like, well, you must read them the rights. They <laughs> must read them. And they're like, oh, he's a rapist. He's running down the streets naked. I know he's a rapist. And there are all people in the movie theaters like, yeah, you're right, Dirty Harry. Just blow him away. Well, that's that's what Republicans are. You know, with before the confirmation hearings, like uh, common sense, I tell it like it is. I'm not doing that PC stuff. And then you get them on the stand. <laughs> you get them in front of the Senate, the nomination hearing. Well, well, you know, it's interesting. The Constitution allows us to go in many different ways. And it really depends on the specifics of the case. Where's Dirty Harry when you need him? Amy Coney Barrett. Democrats are not much better in this one. They're kind of funny. The Democrats, you know, they're like tying themselves in a knot, trying to get a confession out of her. 
And uh, I think they think it's like Perry Mason, which is now going to require me to do a different millennial explanation. This is for you millennials out there. Perry Mason was a TV show in which Raymond Bird played a brilliant criminal defense lawyer whose specialty was breaking people down on cross-examination. D, you ever see Perry Mason? Yeah, well, I remember the intro. I never watched the show. I just remember what was the, the intro again? Uh, uh, I'm mixing it up with Dragnet. Dun, 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 dun. That's Dragnet. Dun, 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 dun. The stories you see are true. They're based on both. Anyway. Oh, wow. We've got a lot TV. of news involving uh, things that happened in the year 2020, guys. Do not worry. In the year 2020. Anyway, back to Dan Perry Mason. So his specialty was the cross-examination. And he'd be cross-examining with some guy and some other guy. Like he'd be, he had, he had like Dennis on the witness stand and then Billy Bob at the back of the court would just jump up and go, I did it. Yeah, I did it. Like his cross-examination was so effective. Someone had to blurt out a confession. I think Democrats feel like that's the way it works. You know, was, I'm going to be so brilliant and so effective in my examination of Judge Coney Barrett that she's... <laughs> She's just, she's just gonna burst into tears. Yes, yes, it's true. I promised Trump at our White House meeting that I rule in his favor. I promised Trump that I throw out all the ballots in Florida to get him reelected, and North Carolina, and there, and Arizona, and Ohio, and whatever it takes. Yes, yes, I'm upon a Trump. And then it'd be like. Uh, who would be uh, Corey? Corey Booker would be sitting back and he'd light up a cigarette. That's how you do a cross-examination, ladies and gentlemen, just like Perry Mason. I didn't know he smoked cigarettes. I don't know. I just threw that in oh. there. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> Nobody smokes cigarettes anymore, D. Except for I know a couple of people, but I will not mention their names who have been known to smoke a cigarette. I will not mention their names. Anyway. Of course she's a pawn of Trump's. That's why he put her up there. He put her up there because push come to shove, she'll do what he wants her to do. Like she'll go his way in a ruling to conceal his taxes or delay the moment when he has to conceal his taxes. If necessary, you watch. She'll give him uh, a vote on the Supreme Court that will enable him to... Skip any accountability for allegedly raping a woman. E. Jean Carroll. Skip any. She'll do what she has to do. That's why he nominated her. You think like he nominated her because he wanted an open minded jurist who's like, hmm, let me consider the law. The law may require me, Donald, to rule against you. No, man. It's like when a mayor has a vacancy in the Chicago City Council. Do you think the mayor's going to put somebody up there that's going to vote against the mayor? No, you put a, a pawn, a rubber stamp. Come on. What would Biden say? Come on, man. Knowing Trump, by the way, he probably was open. About, I'm going to give Trump credit here, D. I'll bet he, when, he had, when Amy Coney Bear was meeting with Trump at the White House, wherever they... I bet he came right out and said it, what he wants her to do. I mean, let's think about it. He told Sessions he wanted him to fire Comey. He told Comey he wanted to bury the Russian investigation. He told the president of Ukraine that he wanted him to slam Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. I mean, Trump is not known for keeping his wants and desires a secret. 
He probably said, you know, Amy, I put you up there. Uh, it comes down to Florida recount. You know what to do, right? Huh? 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 <laughs> you know, Amy, come listen, man. Most of these judges, this is their lifelong dream to be in the Supreme Court. You think Amy Coney Barrett's going to say to Donald Trump, uh, you're, I'm sorry, Mr. President, that is really uh, inappropriate of you to ask me to do something for you right now. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> She's going to be like, probably pretend she didn't hear her. That's probably what she did. Uh, you'll hear exactly up again. Uh, I got to clean out my ears. But she's not going to admit any of that at a Senate confirmation hearing. Not, by the way, that it would change any vote. I'll bet you Amy Coney Barrett could at that hearing say, absolutely, I agreed to do what I can to make sure that Donnie Trump's reelected. And all the Republicans would vote for her and all the Democrats wouldn't vote for her. But of course, she's not going to reveal that because to quote the young man from Alton, Amy Coney Barrett may have been born at night, but she wasn't born last night. Hey, that was me. I said that. (laughs) Hence, quoting the young man from Alton. Oh, wow. I remember that. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson is here. He doesn't duck and dodge. He doesn't dance around. Tells it like it is. He's all fired up. Wait, does Tai Chi involve dancing? (laughs) He's doing his Tai Chi right now. Don't bother him, all right? By the way, Jimmy Kimmel will be here today. Jimmy Kimmel will be making a guest. Oh, my. I need to clean up. (laughs) Jimmy Dore will be making an appearance in the show. Later in the show, later, later, later in the Do you think people know that there's like an after party in this show, D? You know, I didn't even know there's an after party. <laughs> When's the after party? Well, we have the opening. Then we have the news. Then we have an interview. And then after the interview, there's the after party. Oh it's like God. the song. Uh, who, Kelly, R. Kelly. After the party, there's an after. I know you're not supposed uh, to say yeah, that's not how the song goes, and let's just not go there. Oh, if it's not how the song goes, how did you recognize the song I was singing? Uh, you had the words right, just the tone was way off. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how Perry Mason does it. And if this was an episode of Perry Mason, Dennis would at that moment blurt out, You're right, you're a beautiful singer, and your rendition of that song enabled me to know what it is. Do you want young people listening today? <laughs> Actually, I think there's a modern day version of Perry Mason. Don't quote me on that, D. But I think there is a like a updated version of Perry Mason. I do think so. Like a hipster version. I'm hip. I live in Logan Square. I'm a lawyer. I love alligators. Anyway, uh, Monroe Anderson will be here. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Perry Mason fondly calls Doctor Doobie, with the news. What's going on, everybody? And you know, Ben, I'm glad um, earlier there you didn't give any spoilers to the decades-old movie, Dirty Harry. Way to go. Loved it. Have you ever seen Dirty Harry? Yeah, I've seen Dirty Harry. Isn't it a great flick? I mean, it's like fascist, but it's yeah, it's really kind of racist, too. Yeah, it really doesn't hold up well, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of... I'm a little embarrassed to admit how much I liked it during the 70s. And, you know, when I went into it, I'm like, this guy looks clean and not that hairy. Dirty Harry. What is this? What's that name all about? 
All right, let's begin with what's happening in Chicago. No public events scheduled for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, hey, good afternoon, Mayor. I uh, love it when you play that, yeah. <laughs> but we do have a follow-up on what the mayor was up to yesterday. On Tuesday, Mayor Lightfoot announced the Teach Chicago Tomorrow initiative. Uh, it's a new initiative to bring additional talented, diverse teachers to CPS classrooms. Now, we were wondering on the program <laughs> yesterday what the hell that meant. And we have yeah. the details. Ooh. It looks like the Teach Chicago Tomorrow initiative will be a program to hire more Chicago public school graduates. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Nadir Issa. As part of the Teach Chicago Tomorrow initiative, CPS is setting a long-term goal to hire more than 500 Chicago public school graduates annually. The district currently hires about 140 uh, CPS graduates as teachers each year. Ben, your thoughts on this uh, this initiative? So, Wait, sounds right, good. So- uh, it does sound good. We talked about this yesterday. Is, is there, for some reason, a little embarrassing moment. Oh, <laughs> this was not in my, a bright one, uh, home delivered as always. So I don't have uh, the details, the full details of the program. I, I wasn't able to absorb it, nor was I able to read the articles. I have a question for you. Okay. So this, uh, was this a press conference? Yeah. Where, okay. And was anybody from the Chicago Teachers Union at the press conference with her? Uh, Janice Jackson was there. Okay, she's not from the Chicago Teachers Union. Oh, so was you said Teachers other, Union. No, I, I, yeah. I believe no. Nobody from the Chicago. Come on, you knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that. That was, I, you know, it's true in cross-examination. You're supposed to know the answer to every question. But I began by saying I didn't read the article. So I didn't know that. Okay. So before I went further and said anything, I wanted to uh, ascertain uh, and to determine. By the way, that was a great cross-exam. That was Perry Mason. See how that withering cross-examination of Dennis? Poor guy is sweating. I, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> so let me read my news. <laughs> Guys, you got to see the facial expressions he just did. We're very funny. Uh, here's the quote from Lightfoot. Quote, teach Chicago tomorrow. We'll build a new network of teachers who look like Chicago kids, come from Chicago communities, and are invested in Chicago neighborhoods. This is a top priority for our schools and underscores our deep commitment to equity across the district. Although CPS has been working diligently to boost the number of African-American and Latinx teachers, there is still a wide gap between the race and ethnicity of students and teachers as existing recruitment pathways simply aren't producing enough high-quality teachers of color. We must build our own pathways through smart strategies that tap into an already invested and invested talent pool. Weird choice of words. Oh, already quality. interested. I'm sorry. An already interested and invested talent pool. My apologies. Go ahead. Uh, no, a weird choice of words to add high quality uh, to that phrase. Like what are the people that they're producing not high quality? So are you trying to produce high quality or just any kind of quality? I don't know. Uh, but uh, let me just say this. I, this has been the notion of uh, bringing in teachers of color who are from Chicago, black teachers from Chicago. This was something championed by the great, the legendary Karen Lewis, who would have been the greatest mayor the city has had since Harold Washington, but unfortunately she got sick and couldn't run. Former head of the Chicago Teachers Union, my friend and hero. She was advocating this years ago. And at the time, if you recall, 
Rahm and the powers of be in the city of Chicago said, oh, God, what a dumb idea. Chicago Tribune was like foaming. They wanted like these these weird teachers to have to take this weird standardized test that had nothing to do with teaching. I'm not making this up, people. This is the world of the reform, the teaching reform movement. I got reform in quotes. Their notion was to be a good idea. What you should really do is make it really, really, really difficult to get a teaching certificate, then increase the hours that teachers have to work, then cut the pay that teachers get, then make it easier to fire teachers, then give all the credit for any success that happens at school to the mayor and his corporate cronies, then slam the teachers union. Like, and that will get people to want to be teachers. I don't know what world they were operating out of, but it wasn't the real world. Now here we are. They spent the last 10 years bashing teachers and like, oh, we need more teachers. And the reason why I asked that question, D, was uh, anybody from the Chicago Teachers Union there? Because this is an initiative that was championed by the great Karen Lewis. This is an initiative that was championed by the Chicago Teachers Union. So you would think, one would think that the mayor would reach out to the teachers union, but nope. And Lori Lightfoot, man, she's got this thing about the Chicago. She's got this thing about SDG, Stacey Davis Gates. Yeah, won't even let her in the same room. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'll tell you what. If this was some kind of corporate initiative that came out of corporate Chicago, she'd be surrounding herself with corporate chieftains. Like saying, well, what a great mayor she is. What a great idea this was. And then, you know, like Cranes would write an editorial, oh, what a great idea. The Tribune would write it, oh, what a great idea. But if it comes from the left, well, you know, they've done a good job. In my, I got to give them credit for this. I don't like what they've done, but they've done a good job of bashing the teachers union. It's like in the north side of Chicago, man, they have. They love Lori and cannot stand the Chicago Teachers Union. I don't know how many people go, Ben, you know, the Teachers Union has gone too far. <laughs> what, what, on what? Uh, they just, they're asking for too much. They should let the children go back to school. <laughs> what, you want to go back and work in the Chicago public schools? Well, I'm not a teacher. I'm just saying. All these guys were working <laughs> at homes. You know what I'm saying? All everybody working at home with a mask. Like lawyers who are working at home, accountants are working at home, they live on the north side of Chicago. They all want the teachers to go back. Uh, the teachers should go back, Ben. That teachers union, your friend Stacey Davis Gates is really irresponsible. They hate Stacey Davis Gates. So, you know, politically, it was a uh, smart move. Polit I mean, I don't even know what to say smart. Politically, it, it's like a successful move. You denigrate the teachers union. You know, they got both editorial boards ripping the teachers union. You know, so that just, it's like, it's a good caricature to have as an enemy. So that's why I'm saying I'm a little disappointed. Here was a moment. You could have olive branch to the teachers union. This is the kind of initiative they support. But then that would be like acting as though they're human beings. <laughs> You know, it did. The, the weird thing about the Democratic leaders of Chicago is that when it comes to teachers, they love them until they get into a union. Then they hate them. So got a weird thing, this weird attitude 
about teachers and unions. D. Hold on, I'm going to have a drink of water. Go yeah, ahead. Go you ahead. have a drink of water. Actually, uh, Chicago Teachers Union President uh, Jesse Sharkey would like to weigh in here. I, um... Yeah? Oh. R- right now, oh. um... Okay. A little caught up in traffic, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. That... Ladies and gentlemen... Give this young man a raise. That was brilliant. That was from the the teacher strike of um, what was it? Oh my goodness, D. What was that thing? October two thousand and nineteen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the good old days, D. We were back in the studio. We had fun with that teacher strike, didn't we? I know that sounds inappropriate. The kids, Ben. The kids. They need to be back in school. It's just every time I remember I'd watch TV, you'd see Jesse Sharkey on television uh, just yelling, trying to talk to people <laughs> while cars. I mean, they're supporting him, but they're kind of interrupting him. You know what I mean? You could just tell he was just frustrated. And we view that this is a civil rights issue. You know, we think that the conditions in our schools, we think that support for our students that need trauma support, social workers, psychologists, Counselors. Um, <laughs> we think that adequate services and special education. He's like, thanks, but I'm on the news here, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> the guy in that big old truck. <laughs> Oh, God. Ah, Good times. Good times. Oh, yeah. Bad times, but good times. Uh, Mm -hmm. In other city news, and it's a story we've been following quite extensively here on the program, Mm. recreational cannabis licenses. Who gets them? And why so far has it mostly been well-to-do, well-connected, and really rich white people? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Why? Hmm. Let's ponder that. Hmm. Yeah, good one. The Chicago Sun-Times and who else? Tommy Two-Joint Shuba has the latest. After serving as one of Illinois' top cannabis regulators, Cook County Commissioner Bridget Degnan confirmed on Tuesday that she has an ownership stake in a company vying for the right to open multiple pot shops across the state of Illinois. A spokeswoman for Degnan told the Sun-Times Tuesday that the commissioner is part owner of Americana Dream. Get it, Ben? Americana, like cannabis? Get that? Oh, I actually didn't get it. <laughs> when I read that, I read Tommy's uh, story today, and I didn't get it. So you just, whoa, that's clever. Right? right? It took me a minute, too. I'm like, uh, at first, I'm like, Americana? No, they're not spelling it right. Wait, did they just misspell something in the paper? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Americana, like cannabis. Oh, that's clever. Uh, very clever. Very, very <laughs> clever. Uh, yeah, so uh, she's part owner of Americana Dream and uh, was a paid and was paid a stipend to write dispensary applications for the company. Uh, now comes the annoying application portion. Uh, you see, during the lottery process, you could pay even more money and file more than one application to, uh. to increase your chances of buying, I mean winning, a recreational cannabis license. Uh, the Highland Park-based firm Americana Dream submitted 36 oh, man. perfect <laughs> applications, beating oh. out hundreds of uh, other applicants to become a finalist in the state competition for the next round of dispensary licenses. The company has the maximum 10 spots in a lottery that will determine the winners of the 75 new licenses, each of which will likely be worth millions of dollars. But Degnan's ownership stake isn't worth anything unless the company wins a license. This is according to her spokeswoman, uh, who wouldn't confirm how much Degnan's been paid so far 
of what or what percentage of the company she owns. Ben Jarofsky, I'm sure you're chomping at the bit here, so go ahead. Well, there's so much to unpack. I mean, but you did such a great job of setting it up because you're so true what you said. We've had, we just had uh, Michael Malcolm on, a uh, real estate agent and blogger who uh, applied for a license, entrepreneur, businessman. We've had Vincent Norman on, uh, entrepreneur, uh, Englewood, born and raised, uh, a Marine vet. Uh, he applied for a license. You know, uh, we've we've had many uh, applicants on this show, black people. And somehow or other, they get frozen out. This is, whole thing was set up to benefit the people in the communities that were hit the hardest by the war on drugs. And somehow or other, Cook County Commissioner Bridget Degnan's firm got, how many did you, 37? 36. I mean, got Illinois, this is an embarrassment. All you guys are a disgrace. I remember a Bridget. She ran against Fritchie, John Fritchie. Cook County. I remember she came on the old show. Where was that show? D? I can't remember the old show, but I remember she came on the show. Wait, was it? Oh, yeah. WCPTA 20 AM. Where facts matter. They fired you. <laughs> facts matter. As long as you don't mention any facts that are pertinent to anybody, they matter. Got it. Don't talk about tiffs. So she came on the show. She didn't mention anything about owning staking a reefer company. Well, I guess that was before. I don't know. Maybe she didn't own the reefer company then. But it's like, why is she at the front of the line? You know what I'm saying? Man, I hate to say it. Liberals discovered Bill Burr uh, the other day. I'm really happy you did. About time. He was on Saturday Night Live, and he did the whole thing about white people jumping to the front of the line. And it happens time and time again. This program was set up to help black people because they were hit the hardest by the war on drugs. And when it's all said and done, You've got this one company from Highland Park, 37, God dang. 36. They're, oh, I'm sorry, uh, correction, <laughs> 36. By the way, Tommy Shuba, you're awesome. You're on fire. He's a young guy, folks. He came on the old, back in the old days, he would come in. He, he could spare the time because young Thomas is a very busy gentleman, okay? But he would come on the show. We loved him as a guest. He's a great guy. One of the hardest working reporters in the city of Chicago. This dude, man, give him a raise sometimes because Tommy Shuba has been killing it for you guys. That said, this headline, <laughs> can I just like, I know I realize like the headline's the least significant part of the story and the, the real significant part of the story is somehow or other. One more time, folks, as Dr. D told you, a program that's supposed to intended to help black communities and black people is somehow helping this white lady and this Highland Park company. Got it? Okay. That's justice in the city of Chicago. It's just for us. <laughs> I love when we talk about the headlines. What's, what's the headline here? The headline. Oh, it's unbelievable. This headline. Now, okay, let me just say this. I have defended the bright one against a withering counter assault from Dennis. Who's very hey, critical of their headline. I'm very critical. <laughs> and he, you know what? But this time, he, I believe my beloved bright one went one step too far. Okay, one more time for I'll set it up so you get it. So the story is about Cook County uh, Commissioner Bridget Degnan, 
who is a Cook County commissioner, which is a full-time job. And when she ran against Johnny Fritchie for that office, she said, this will be my full-time job, okay? I'm gonna, all my focus will be on doing this job. That's because it's so important that I take care of the people in my district. Now it turns out she's a part owner in this reefer uh, company. Uh, excuse me, cannabis. Yeah, come on. Sorry. So the headline in the bright one is her pot time job. Oh, <laughs> And I'm like, even I, even I, that's too far, guys. That is such a, that is so lame. <laughs> Like I said, you know, I've been writing comedy for a long time. You just, with these puns, you just get caught in a corner, and then you got to just top one after the other. It's it's not worth fighting, guys. It's not worth it's, it. It's, it's, I mean, don't I, die on Pun Hill, please. That's like a dad joke. You know what dad jokes, Steve? Have you ever heard of dad jokes? Absolutely. Really embarrassingly, I make them. I'm known for that. Like, when I'm around, I'm like, Ugh, dad, Ugh. It's funny that you're like you're. This is just revealing news. I make them. Yeah, we've we've listened to the show. So. Hey everybody, I make them. I don't know if you knew this or not. Wait, come on. Have I ever in my life made one as bad as her a part time job? <laughs> Doesn't even really make sense, you know. I mean, part time. I don't know. I mean. Come on, bright one. You know I love you. And I subscribe to you. Love you dearly. I'm going to have to ask Romana about this one. See if Romana wrote. I can't believe Romana wrote this one. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the headlines, terrible headline, but excellent story by uh, Tom Shuba. Got to give him a shout out. Young Tommy to join Shuba. I'm trying to think of, uh, of other headlines that you can use for that. Uh, maybe uh, if you're on the live stream chat right now, uh, weigh in, see if you can help us out. Maybe I'll think of some before the segment ends. All right, moving on. The 2020 census ending early? It's true. The Supreme Court has cleared it with the Trump administration, and they are going through with a plan to end the 2020 census early. This blocks a lower court order that required the government to continue with the count as originally planned through the end of October. In a statement Tuesday night, the Census Bureau said counting would end on Thursday. This Thursday, two days. Uh, that means Americans who haven't completed the census can do so online through 6 a.m. Eastern time on Friday morning, which is midnight in Hawaii, by phone, uh, Thursday or mail a paper response as long as it is postmarked by Thursday. In-person census takers will conclude their work on Thursday as well. Here's the reasoning. Hot from the SCOTUS blog. Uh, it says here... <laughs> <laughs> The SCOTUS block says uh, the administration said last week in an emergency request to the justices that it needs to wind down the census count right away in order to have enough time to process the census data and meet a key statutory deadline at the end of the year. A group of local governments and nonprofit groups led by the National Urban League said that ending the count early will result in an undercount of immigrants, low income people and other groups that are difficult to count. Ben Jarofsky, what say you? Do you smell something funky here? Yeah. We just got finished talking about the stuff Democrats in Cook County and Chicago and Illinois do. Okay, just got now it's equal time. This is Republican, this is right, one-on-one on a Republican playbook. 
The, the census count is very important, as I've explained before, and as you probably know, because you're smart, is uh, very important in determining with how many congressional districts the state gets, how much federal funding a state gets. The more people a state has, the more congressional districts it gets, the more representation it gets. All right. Now, the Republicans have decided that their areas, areas where Republican people are concentrated, are more attentive about filling out their census forms and getting that information in and have already gotten it in. And they've all they've concluded that areas where people who don't vote Republican, like areas where a lot of black people live, or a lot of Hispanic people live, have not been as attentive. So they want to cut it off right now. <laughs> they want to hold on to power. That's what it's all about. So this gets back to it's hard to lose a game if you control the referees. Supreme Court, a bunch of flunkies for Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, they they, they come. Well, 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 you know, they study the books. Well, well, we'll come up with a ruling that helps you, Donnie. Don't worry. You know, it's so funny, D. The, the head, I'm looking at these headlines in today's New York Times, and it has the headline, Supreme Court permits freeze um, census in victory for Trump. Supreme Court victory for Trump. And right next to it is a headline. Barrett declines to say she'll sit out if election is thrown to the court. Insists she won't be a pawn of Trump. So on one hand, you have the Supremes being a pawn of Trump. And on the other hand, you have Barrett going, no, I won't be a pawn of Trump. I'll be independent. Yeah, right. My point is, he doesn't put independent-minded people on the courts. It's like a mayor filling an automatic vacancy. He's looking for rubber stamps. And he got one. You know what would be funny if it like didn't go the way they expected? What if, and I'm just throwing this out here, it's an idea. What if it was the black areas of the country that were really responsive with their census form? And it was the MAGA areas that were not responsive. And suddenly the census people have calculated, because you hate to be the guy to deliver this news to Donald Trump. The census people are calculating it and they go, uh oh, uh, boss, uh, <laughs> uh, the black population of this country has increased 10%. They're going to have to get more congressional districts. Man, you see the Republicans in court? They would come up with an argument that would somehow or other say it was unconstitutional to give more districts. They would figure out a way to do that, folks. They'd figure, they'd have their, they'd tell their, like the brightest robotic-minded right-wing law students they could find, figure out a way. It's like that great Bill. Can I just bring it back to Bill Burr, his Steve Jobs bit? Remember that bit, D? Where where Bill Burr goes, he's Steve Jobs. And he goes, put everything into this little phone and do it now. Love Bill Burr. Anyway, that's what it's going to be. They will just completely flip-flop. It's just like Republicans. We're going to talk about this with Monroe. Republicans uh, who are suppressing the vote throughout the country by reducing the number of boxes that secure boxes that Democrats, that voters can drop off their ballots. They, so they reduce the numbers in highly Democrat areas. So like you have to drive a half an hour to find a secure ballot box. Meanwhile, in California, they're just putting up fake ones wherever they can. Wait, I thought you wanted to discourage 
uh, voter fraud. I thought you wanted to maintain uh, voting boxes only where you could have them supervised to make sure there was no cheating. See, they, 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 there's no principles to the Republican Party. It's only tactics. So, yeah. So, um, Supreme Court, you got it, D. It does. If it smells fishy, it's because it is fishy. This is all to help Donnie and the Republicans. And if it turns out that it's not helping Donnie and the, trouble, and the Republicans, oh, they'll just come up with a new one. Pack the court, Dems. It's the only way to get around this. Moving on, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. Okay, we believe you. We believe you. <laughs> Today, the governor delivered his COVID-19 press briefing. It was at noon, and it was at the Thompson Center. Meaning, yes, he's finally out of his house. His quarantine is over. And, Has it been uh, two weeks already? I guess it's been two weeks already. I, or is he doing Trump counting? Trump, you ever notice that Trump, he's supposed to be two weeks. Trump was out like five days. Like Trump County is like, well, uh, one day is really three days. And uh, then you take away the one. Bring in Dan Biss. Help I, me with the math. Oh, man. Dan. No, I'm pretty sure it has been. It's been it's been two weeks, I believe, since we've last okay. talked about that. Time flies, okay. man. Yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can get the details of Pritzker's press briefing uh, after our talk with Monroe. And hey, who knows? Uh, maybe he now has a quarantine beard, Ben. <laughs> Pritzker has yeah. a quarantine? For a second, I thought Monroe has a quarantine beard. I'm no, like, no, Monroe? Pritzker. Yeah, Monroe would have a Tai Chi beard. Oh, that's like a Fu Manchu, I would believe. Something like that, right? Uh, so now I look forward to see if Monroe's grown a beard. Uh, but uh, yes, Pritz, did Pritzker, remember Pritzker's hair was getting a little shaggy? Yeah, yeah, during the remember beginning. Remember haircut gate? Yeah. Yeah, remember that? And then Lori Lightfoot got the haircut, but Pritzker was making it clear, I am not getting a haircut. It's getting a little shaggy there, a little hippie-like. Kind of liked it. Let your freak flag fly. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be uh, keeping uh, tabs on that. The magic number is now 20, only 20 days until Election Day. And, well, Ben, you may be getting a call from Phyllis shortly. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes. But their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group. All right, Phyllis, that's enough. It's time for a fair tax update. Fair tax update. <laughs> that's the Mr. That's Mr. Bike's bicycle bell that you just rang. Oh, it's a cash register. Fair oh. tax oh, update. Because, you know, taxes. Good point. By the way, uh, for new listeners, Phyllis is the reoccurring character featured in the Say No to the Illinois Fair Tax ads that play, well, at nauseum on all of our televisions. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers. Okay, you guys know Phyllis. Uh, Phyllis is senior citizens, please. From one senior to another, you're smarter than that. Don't believe Phyllis. I know she looks so sweet and innocent, but she, <laughs> she's just making it up as she goes along. Don't fall for it, geezers. Come on. You're too smart. Uh, I saw Phyllis, Ben. She seemed reasonable. 
Yes, Governor Pritzker's fair tax amendment <clears throat> proposal will be on the November 3rd ballot. The Illinois Fair Tax is a proposed amendment to the Illinois state constitution that would change the state income tax from a flat tax to a graduated income tax. And I guess Governor Pritzker didn't take some time during his recent quarantine to finally have that overdue Zoom meeting with a particular relative about the fair tax. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune and Ricky P. Rick Pearson. The Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker's cousin, Jennifer Pritzker, donated $500,000 on Tuesday to a group pushing for the defeat of the governor's signature agenda item on the November 3rd ballot, the Fair Tax Initiative. Her donation went to the coalition to stop the proposed tax hike, a group that has received nearly $48.9 million to fight the proposed amendment. Her contribution is the second largest to the group after the $46.75 million <laughs> given by Illinois' richest man, Ken Griffin, uh, the founder and CEO of the Citadel Hedge Fund and investment firm. Griffin is worth an estimated $15 billion, according to Forbes. But back to Pritzker's cousin, Jennifer Pritzker. Jennifer Pritzker has been a donor to Republican candidates and causes over the years, including a donation of $104,000 to Bruce Rauner's successful 2014 campaign for governor. Very interesting. Uh, as you all know, J.B. Pritzker went on to defeat Rauner four years later. She also gave more than $110,000 to unsuccessful 2018 Republican Attorney General candidate Erica Harold. Boy, that's taking me back to 2018. Mm -hmm. And $6,000 to Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's successful 2019 campaign. Uh, I have a quote here from Jennifer Pritzker, but Ben, your thoughts on all this here? Uh, cousin uh, Pritzker, what's hey. going on? Wait, time out. Do you have a quote uh, from Jennifer? Why don't you read the quote? All right, here's the quote I'm from Jennifer Pritzker. Quote, there is evidence that the tax hike amendment uh, could eventually raise taxes on the middle and working classes. <laughs> okay, I just had to hear this quote. Go ahead. Yeah, she, yeah, okay. she knows. Uh, with so many families and small businesses <laughs> struggling to recover from the ravages of the pandemic, raising taxes is not a financial solution Illinoisans can afford to wow. enact. Wow. That... I'll tell you what, that, that Pritzker family is extraordinary. Uh, JB, as I said, was a master dancer ducking and dodging when they pray. But Jennifer can shovel the BS like the That's just, folks, do you think, now just gather around, just gather around the radio, even though we're not on the radio. <laughs> so gather around the computer. Let's just figure this out. You got Jennifer Pritzker, who's worth Billions of dollars, giving five hundred thousand dollars. Is that what it is, D? Uh, to an effort, to a campaign to kill the tax hike on the wealthiest people. It's a tax proposed tax hike on the wealthiest people, not on the middle class people, not on the working class people. In fact, as part of that tax hike plan on the wealthiest people, they would cut taxes. So, on the working class people and middle class people. So, do you think? That when she gives 500 grand to the effort to defeat the tax on the wealthiest people, she's really looking out for the middle class people. I would, I would have so much more respect for her if she just said, you know what? I don't want to pay taxes. I 
don't want to pay it. Kenny Griffin doesn't want to pay it. Sammy Zell doesn't want to. All the rich people giving money to this are vesting money to keep from paying more in taxes. And we know when we do this, it's going to increase the, t- the money you pay in taxes. So we're actually spending money now to avoid paying taxes later so that you will pay more in taxes. That's what actually she, if she confessed it, I would like, hey, you got to give her credit. But it's like, I, I hope there's nobody out there that actually believes it. Like Jennifer Pritzker or Ken Griffin woke up one morning and go, you know, I'm really worried about the amount of money that middle class people pay in taxes. So I'm going to invest. I'm going to kick in a bunch of money to a group that's intending uh, to destroy the fair tax. Well, just by coincidence, if I destroy the fair tax, I'll pay less in taxes. But I'm really doing it for the middle class people. I, I would say that is the most cynical, <laughs> disingenuous claim uh, I've heard all day. But D, it's still not as bad as the Phyllis commercial, where Phyllis is trying to somehow or other scare geezers uh, into voting against a tax hike that would benefit them. Because if you raise the taxes on the richest people, you, the poorest people, don't have to pay as much. D, I'm telling you, know what? I'm ready to throw it. I'm throwing it in, D. That's it. I'm becoming a Republican. Oh, God. Yep, that's it. Going to become All a Republican. Right, I'll go find a new job, I guess. <laughs> Are you kidding? Republicans take care of their own. Are you you were working for a lefty. That's why you're broke. If you're working, you think Tucker Carlson's producer's broke ass, man? He's rich. Republicans take care of their own, man. Lefties and liberals like, oh, good, good job. Uh, now go starve. Sorry, didn't mean to go there. Jennifer Pritzker is a retired Army colonel, founder and chair of the Pritzker Military Museum and Library in Chicago. Uh, and according to Forbes, she is worth an estimated $1.9 billion wow. dollars that's as and to quote our mayor that's a billion with a b a billion with a b notice she gave money to Lori lightfoot <laughs> yeah gave money to Lori lightfoot uh, and devil. erica harold and bruce rauner very interesting isn't it yeah <laughs> Lori lightfoot is the kind of democratic candidate for mayor that you know rich people like she didn't give the money to Hey, Sue's Chewy Garcia, did she? No, I didn't think so. How about Miguel DeVaya when he ran in 2011? Did she give any money to him? No, I don't think so. You know? How about Troy LaRavier? He couldn't even get on the ballot. He didn't have enough money. Our good friend Troy. Did she give any money to Troy LaRavier? Out and out leftist? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the chances uh, JB tried reaching out to Jennifer to talk to her about the fair tax? You know what I mean? I don't know. Seems like, you know, hey, hit her up, hit her up on Zoom. You know? Uh, I, I I have a confession to make. One of my many, I've been a revelation here. I, I don't know anything about the Pritzker's family relations. I don't, don't hang around. That I just I don't know. I don't know if like do they talk? Are they friends? Do they get together? You know I don't know. D no I don't know. So I don't know. I can't answer your question. Sorry. That's okay. And that was a fair tax update. 
Bear tax update. Hey, this election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge, but Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. And their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you were voting for. Ben just recently got an iPhone, a brand new iPhone. You plan on doing that uh, in the voting booth, pal? Yes, with my new iPhone, which already was running out of batteries, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> whole other story. Uh, coming up after uh, Monroe Anderson, we do have some candidate campaign ads to play. So we will have a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update and so much more. Uh, guys, you can follow us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like us to read your message on the program, leave your name and where you're from. There's a good chance we'll read it. You can also call us 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show has a phone number. We're not going to answer, but leave us a voicemail, and there's a good chance we'll play that as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back... Mr. Monroe Anderson is going to be talking all things Trump, 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 gardening, no, 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 and Trump. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment and Ben's attic.
state with a grand history of profound impact on our nation and our world. We've sent four transformative presidents to the White House. We were the first state to ratify two of the most important amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150 and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Every Wednesday, like clockwork, on my show comes the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson, giant of Chicago journalism, former uh, columnist for the Tribune, former columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, former press secretary for uh, Mayor Eugene Sawyer, for years the host on Channel 2, and he is a regular on our show, uh, and before he comes on our show, he uh, does some Tai Chi to relax, smokes a bowl or two, a reefer to calm down and chill out. Just kidding. He doesn't do that. Uh, and <laughs> but he's got that big smile. Maybe he did. And uh, puts up. No, no. Those days are in your rearview mirror. Huh? Uh, and uh, uh, puts a funny bit on Facebook that uh, acts as sort of a cheat sheet for our show. I'm on I'm going to read it. I got it right here in front of me. I love it when you put your uh, Facebook stuff. And then all, it's the funniest part is all his Facebook right wing lunatic friends weigh in. <laughs> well, are they insane, Monroe? Here we go. Is Judge Amy Coney Barrett Republicans Fox being sent to the fo- hen house? Question. I answer yes. While we remain in a pandemic, will her confirmation as a Supreme Court justice mean the destruction of Obamacare and the end of protection for pre-existing conditions? Is a maskless Trump campaigning before thousands of maskless cultists? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Dead set on launching herd immunity as the final answer to COVID-19, resulting in tens of thousands of more American de- deaths. Ben and I will discuss these and other horrors all, <laughs> of all things Trump on his podcast. That's pretty funny. Uh, to that, I will add, we're also going to discuss um the Jimmy Kimmel bit about black voters for Trump and uh, Monroe, I, I assume you got a chance to watch that, uh, that bit. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll uh, discuss and, that. Right. And I don't, I don't have a black dog or a black cat, but if I did, they wouldn't be voting for Trump. either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one later. I knew you would get a kick out of that, that bit that Jimmy Kimmel did. Uh, and, uh, we may also talk a little bit about uh, the Chicago um, a reporter 
and uh, the, it's on the ropes these days. A legendary uh, rag, uh, Chicago Monthly that uh, I got my started with, and that's how I met Monroe way back when. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, that, perhaps if we have enough time. All right, let's start with uh, Amy uh, Cody Barrett, uh, and uh, you lay it out, Monroe. Uh, Donald Trump wouldn't have put her up uh, for he this said position. What what Trump promised mm-hmm. was that. If elected, he would only appoint judges that would vote against Roe versus Wade. Wade, um, and um, to kill the Obama care, also known as the ACA. She uh, was cleared by the Federalist Society that only has been cultivating black, I mean, sorry, not black judges, white judges, uh, conservative judges for decades now. Because they they don't have the demographics are not moving in in their favor. Um, And so they, 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 they're not going to control the Congress, or the or or um, the White the White House, mm-hmm. so they figure the only way that um, they can continue minority rule is to control the um, Supreme Court. And before this, uh, before we get to the election in a couple of weeks, Amy will be on on the Supreme Court. They will have majority judges until Governor <laughs> President Biden, Senator Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and uh, Schumer, I'm forgot, add to the Supreme Court. Add three seats to the Supreme Court. To unpack the court. The, the, the Republicans have have packed the Supreme Court. They have. They will have um, six, five, five. They will have uh, six Supremes versus three. Yep. And 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 right now, Amy, Amy during these hearings, of course, she's she's either saying the right stuff or nothing at all. Uh, uh, but basically saying that she's not against, <coughs> she's not against pre-existing conditions and um, that she's a, she's a right to life her, but she wouldn't, um, she wouldn't let that cloud her, her judgment, impact her judgment. And it's just, it's, I mean, she's there that they're nothing to prove. Uh, because um, Roe versus Wade is going to come up in a, in a couple of, uh, you know, Obamacare. The Obamacare is mm-hmm. going to come up in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, right right after the election. The Supreme Court will be ruling on on Obamacare, starting to hear it. And, and she'll be in there as, as an extra vote to put a nail in the coffin. 
Well, Monroe, when I think about the uh, the extra vote nail in the coffins uh, that she would deliver, the top of my list, and if I know Trump the way I know Trump, the top of his list is not abortion, is not Obamacare, it's a potential uh, election case. In other words, he's hoping that if push come to shove, he'll have to turn to the Supremes for a ruling much the, like the one that uh, George W. Bush got in 2000 that made him the president. And, and Trump has said this. Yeah, well, right. here's the part that right. Trump yeah. himself has said that he goes, we're going to need her for an election uh, right. issue. We're going to no, need he, her for an election. He, he, he is <laughs> stupidly transparent. You know, I mean, sometimes we want transparency in government just so we'll know what's going on and how how efficiently it's running, et cetera. But he 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 just telegraphs his punches all the time. Now, the, the problem with that for him on this one is he has governed so piss poorly that he's not. It's not going to be close. Election, it's not. It's it'll never get to the courts. In fact, um, the 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 raging Cajun uh, said that um, it's going to be over by ten thirty Eastern Eastern time. I missed that. Carvel said that. Yes. Where yeah. did he say? <laughs> he said he said it's going to be a landslide that we'll know the winner by. 10 o'clock Eastern time. <laughs> no. I, I just, I just have to say this, ladies and gentlemen, this young man that I'm speaking to right now, Monroe Anderson has literally been saying this. Hey, James Carvel, he's been saying it since 2017. Monroe Anderson has been saying it. Trump swore, got sworn in in January. What was it? 21st Monroe, 2017 yeah. on January yeah. 22nd. Oh, yeah. Monroe oh, said, yeah. right. he, he's crazy. He's gone. Right. I just want to say that, you know, oh, nice of you to jump on the bandwagon, raging Cajun. But run Yeah, because he wasn't. He was. He was. He was being careful a few months ago. But yeah, he all indicators. Indicators now. See, this is this is Trump's problem. Mm-hmm. Is that he? He only has one one leg on his is still left for support. And that's uneducated old white men. Everybody else is going against senior citizens in general are, are, are not in favor of him anymore. They were four years ago, but they are not. Young people are not in favor of him. Um, the, the popular, the, the actual the popular vote, which we know um, can mean little, but not necessarily. He's losing, depending on the poll, by double digits uh, down to just eight points. Mm-hmm. Trump is losing in all of the battleground states. Or oh, it's very close. If he's not losing, it's it's it's, it's uh, uh, several of them are in the the, the um, margin of error. But but the field has widened so to Georgia and Arizona are on the list now. Texas is probably on the list now. 
One state that's on absolutely nobody's list except for yours is Alabama. I just want to remind people, uh, my good friend Sergio is listening. I know Monroe's going to be taking us out to eat uh, at for breakfast when Alabama goes for Trump because I do not believe Alabama's going to, uh, going to go for Trump. Uh, let me ask you this, Monroe. Yes. Uh, the the. The headlines in the New York Times are revealing Amy uh, Coney Barrett says, I'm not a pawn. Amy Coney Barrett says, uh, no conversations were held about my potential votes on the election. Uh, I've made no guarantees to Donald Trump. My personal belief, based on Donald Trump's track record of just being, as you call it, stupidly transparent, is that he is open about this stuff. Right. He was open about it with Sessions, get rid of Comey. He was open about it with Comey, kill the Russian right. investigation. Oh, yeah, he was open right. about it with the Ukrainian president. I believe he said to her, yeah, I want your vote. I'm looking forward to your vote. I believe he said that. What do you think? I don't think he had to say it. You know, just like Bill Barr auditioned to uh, be the um, uh, state's attorney, you know, he wrote this long. I mean, essay. the attorney general. Attorney general. I mean, yeah, attorney general. He wrote this long essay talking about how a president should uh, could do no wrong, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and couldn't they couldn't 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 go to prison no matter what they did or jail or be indicted or anything. You know, it was, it was all it was music to Trump's ears, and actually, Barr has been good to his word, except. Um, right now, Trump is really PO'd with him because he has not indicted Obama and Hillary. Well, and that, that's now. Yeah, well, that that's a bit of lunacy from Trump. But I just want to make it clear. Uh, I, I agree with you 100 percent that Trump didn't have to say it exactly. because no, he didn't have to say it. But I just saying, I don't believe Donald Trump is capable of going into a conversation like that without saying it. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, you know, they've told him, they've told him, I mean, the Federalist Society has, 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 has given her a big hug. She, um, she wrote um, an essay that uh, was critical of Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, um, ruling on Obamacare. Mm-hmm. She 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 was critical of that in an essay. She's she's been on as far as Roe versus Wade. She's been on all sorts of um, anti-abortion movements, and she's she's done given speeches about it. They know where she is. Uh, she is, you know, with Trump, with, with the, the whole Trump thing, for example, um, his saying that he wanted, he was only going to put a justice on who, who uh, would um, kill Obamacare. She says that she hadn't heard about it. She hadn't heard. She hadn't heard him say this. Oh, I know. It's like, you know. Uh, yeah, that's like Clarence Thomas back in nineteen ninety one. Got of my old uh, 1991 saying he had no opinion about abortion. You know, right. I mean, it's just absurd. The things right. they say. Right. And it, it Monroe, really, it's because we're we're locked into this this ideological battle when it comes to the Supreme Court. And this is why I'm with you um, about packing 
Unpack. I get in trouble for my un, unpacking, Unpack. whatever you want to call it. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, if the Republicans are going to be so blatant about the political games they're playing, like that, uh, Barack Obama had Merrick Garland, he put up Merrick Garland, who is yeah. more or less a centrist. Right. And so that's like, all right, here's what I'll do. I'm in an election year. I have a vacancy. I'm not going to put on a Monroe Anderson, Ben Jarofsky radical. I'm going to put on some middle of the road Dem Dem type that'll probably rule in your favor more often than not. And that's my uh, the olive branch. No, they flat out. No. (laughs) So they they made it clear they play to win and they just want uh, right wing robots. So if that's the game. Right. No, they've put 50 um, circuit court judges in into place, not one of them black, um, almost all of them young white men, conservative white men. I mean, they have they've packed the courts from from top to bottom. Yeah. And so, so the only way we can we can fix this is to unpack it. Once, but once, I. I- I assume that uh, you appreciated in last uh, Wednesday's debate when Kamala Harris ducked and dodged uh, on that issue of packing the court. I presume that you uh, uh, appreciated her ducking and dodging on that one. Yeah, her and Biden, because that would become a a rallying cry for uh, the right if they were to say that's what they plan to do. And, yeah, it was, well, and although um, Trump's base is 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 fired up and ready to go as it is, but it's not enough of them. No, there's this notion. Of, let's just address this. Okay. Uh, MAGA is is fired up. MAGA is ready to MAGA right. is ready to get COVID for Trump. They right. go to his rallies. Yeah, yeah, please, right. we'll, die. we'll die for. We'll die for you. Yeah, just infect me, Donald. Please. Right. So that's where Maga's at. So I understand Maga. So they don't need pack the court to fire them up. But there's right. this notion out there, Monroe, which I find preposterous, is that there's a group of like swing voters in Wisconsin or Michigan who who want the game to be played fair and they view like packing the court it's like that's unfair so like they're going to to avoid so outraged by democrats packing the court that this is the logic they would vote for donald trump this is the i, I know it's not going to happen but this is the logic why democrats are afraid to say no, they would no 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 what, what what's happening and and uh, because you're a democrat and so you can't quite fathom this. But the Democrats are staying on message. <laughs> COVID-19 is their thing. That's what yeah. they're going to with. And so they're focused on that. Yeah, you know, it's other places right now. Because that's <laughs> Achilles heel. It's why You're right. It's why the Republicans are going to lose. A bunch of those senators, because they they're sticking. That's their story, and they're sticking yeah. with. No, you're right. You're right. That's a very good point you made because you're a Democrat, a lefty Democrat. That I love people. I want to be like MAGA. You know, I want people to like throw me red meat every now and then. You remember? Uh, <laughs> Uh, back in 1983, Harold Washington, greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had. Sorry, Eugene Sawyer. You're second. Uh, the greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had when he was running for mayor, gave that speech where he goes, it's our turn. 
Remember that? It's yeah. our turn. And like white people go, oh, my God. Well, he, Jesse said that. Harold didn't say it. Jesse said that. Yeah, no. Harold said it's our turn. Yeah. Jesse was the one. Jesse was the one who got up. Right. Uh, and, and he goes, we won the playoffs. Now we got to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> white people are like, no, I'm so scared. Right. He's like, no, but it was Jesse who did it. Harold was pissed off that Jesse said it out loud. But Jesse was uh, all excited and was going, it's our turn. It's our turn. Uh, how much, going, I feel oh, another oh. breakfast bet coming up on it's our turn. I feel okay. another breakfast. Okay. <laughs> Sergio, are you paying attention? We're going to go to that pancake house down in Hyde Park. You guys are going to be feeding me for a <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to do this Jimmy Kimmel thing, man. Uh, Dennis, if you could play it. Jimmy Kimmel, this is Monroe and I have been talking about the black vote, uh, where it's going to go in this election. And uh, in 2016, exit polls showed that uh, 8% of the black vote uh, voted uh, for Donald Trump. I think that's an inflation. I think those exit polls are inaccurate. I believe that Donald Trump would be lucky to get 5%, and that in Chicago, he got closer to 2%. Uh, Monroe, what's your uh, opinion about Donald Trump uh, on the black vote? What do you figure in this in this election? What do you, what do you think he's going to get? Uh, maybe 5%. He, he got, he, I think he got 12 in, in, uh, four years ago. Well, no, they, that's an exit poll. That's black men that supposedly got 12% of black men and 8% yeah. of the black vote. And I think that's inflated. Anyway, Donald Trump, uh, after 2016, made a statement that he was going to be such a great president that he would get 95% of the black, 95% of the black yeah. vote. Yeah, right. uh, and so uh, Jimmy Kimmel, the uh talk show host, comedian, uh, sent a uh, reporter out to the streets of L.A. to ask people on the street uh, if they black people on the street, I should say, uh, if they thought Donald Trump would get if they were going to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, and D, why don't you play it uh, and see what the response was? Trump said that he was going to get 95 percent of the African-American vote uh, as a black man. Uh, are you voting for Trump? I absolutely am not. Absolutely, I would not. Hell no. No. Probably not. I can't vote for a racist. Hell no. Nah. No, I'm not. Am I voting for Trump? Yeah. Nah. No, I'm not. Hell no. No, not at all. Hell no. No. Absolutely not. No, not voting for Trump. Hell no. No, I'm not voting for Trump. Absolutely not. Is that a baby? Yeah, this is this is a baby. And that baby with Trump, against Trump? <laughs> against, definitely. Oh, um, Trump. I don't mess with Trump at all. No. No, I'm not voting for Trump. No. I ain't gonna vote for Trump. No, I'm not voting for Trump. Hell no, I ain't voting for that dude. Are you crazy? No. Hell no. He's not getting my vote, no. Absolutely not. No, sir. So do you know any black people who are voting for Trump? I don't know any. You don't know any? Not one person. Not one person? black that said that they... No co-workers? No co-workers. You got uncles and aunties saying they're gonna vote for Trump? No. Mama voting for Trump? No. Daddy voting for Trump? No. Friends from church voting for Trump? No. Sir. I remember Trump and WWE. Yeah. To me, that's what he's still doing. He's still on The Apprentice. He's still listening to the reality show. He's still acting a part. Does anybody ever tell you that you sound like Obama? Unfortunately, yes. You can't pay me a million dollars. I'm not voting for Trump. Would you vote for Trump for a million dollars? No. Uh, what about an Applebee's gift card? No. Free Wi-Fi? 
Free Wi-Fi would be nice. But no Wi-Fi. Stay you with data, brother. I absolutely do not believe he's going to get 95% of the vote because I don't know a black man or a black woman that, that is going to vote for Donald Trump. And I am immersed in black people. You ain't got a single black Not kid. a dog, not a black cat, not a black dog, not a black pit bull is going to vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> All right. Monroe. Not yeah. a dog, not a black cat, not right. a black pit bull. Right, right. exactly. No, I, uh, I have a um, black fit book uh, watch band. It's not voting for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me ask you the tough question, Monroe. Okay. Would you vote for Donald Trump for a million dollars? No. No, wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, let me be. <laughs> yeah. In Illinois, yes, <laughs> because my one vote would count. <laughs> no, Excellent. <laughs> Excellent answer. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I, I would do it, but Monroe, I don't trust Trump. So I'd make sure the money was delivered. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They and it clear. Yeah, and right. It'd have to be cash money, not a check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking any Trump checks. Yeah, right. And, and, and I and I and I'd have some expert come and examine the bills and make sure they were counterfeit. <laughs> that was so funny with the guy go Wi-Fi. Well, I could use some Wi-Fi. Right. He's suddenly yeah. thinking about it. Right. Oh my yeah, God. Right. Yeah, because Wi-Fi is Wi-Fi can be expensive. Yes. Yeah, no, uh, I just thought that was brilliant. And what one of the great things that Donald Trump has done, I think one of the is again, uh, the minds I've told I've said this to you many times, Monroe, getting the minds of liberals. And so, for instance, last week, he had that rally at the White House and Candace Owen brought in a crew of people. And Candace Owen is a very prominent uh, conservative black woman who's making a fortune. Yeah, uh, right. She's, she's 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 pimping the uh, the Republicans. That's what she's doing. Yes, uh, she's making a lot of money. Uh, yeah. And uh, so then, like white people see the black people on the the lawn of the White House, and they're like, "Oh my God, he's got black support!" And they start getting all nervous and everything. Monroe, I've seen it happen a lot. Were you nervous when you saw that last Saturday? Uh, no, but um, I was I was wondering how much each each one of them cost him, because what he did was he he, he provided transportation for for him, and he put him up, probably in the Trump Hotel, <laughs> who knows? But anyway, they were they were paid for, bought and paid for, as uh, a prop. As a prop. Absolutely. As a, by the way, speaking of which you just raised a point, I don't know. We, this was not on our list of things to talk, but talk about, but, uh, it got buried this week. The New York times ongoing investigation, uh, Monroe into Donald Trump did this investigation. Uh, they called it the swamp and right. they talked about all the prominent people that were staying at the Trump hotel. It was a way of funneling money, uh, right. And it's amazing. One more example of how like sleazy this guy is, and how it, it doesn't seem to seem to matter in any way to MAGA. Judge, Judge Barrett was asked about that today. I missed that. Oh, she was. What did she say? Yeah, yeah. 
and she said, well, there's a, a case going on, an ongoing case right now, so she can't comment. <laughs> Has any, uh, that, that, by the way, that is a famous <laughs> duck and dodge, if there ever was one. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, she's ducking and dodging. That's um, unbelievable, duck and dodge. Because, you know, you could comment on uh, what you think, you know, just the propriety of it all. Uh, let me ask you uh, this. Has anybody asked her about the oh, super? Yeah. Oh, no, this this is important then. One of the, the reasons why she's doing this, because she, like everybody else on the Republican side, has an audience of one. And that one is Donald Trump. And so if she said something that really pissed him off, then he could pull the, pull her nomination. And she, you know, if she if she said, uh, for sure, I swear to God that if I'm on the on the on the uh, Supreme Court and and it it comes up that Trump um, did something wrong, that I would I would uh, consider it as a judge the correct way. And he he could just say, change my mind, don't want it. So he's not only talking to the American people and to the 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 politicians, but she's talking to Trump. Yeah. And she had to watch her words. You know what? That that's an excellent point. I had not thought of that. That is I mean, Trump is capable of doing that. Right. Right. I mean, he's 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 still punishing sessions. For uh, <laughs> what a sucker. Not being his, his Roy Cohn. Yeah. No, Sessions has got to be the biggest sucker in the world. Right. Uh, but when it comes to president, there's a history of this. Uh, presidents and Supreme Court nominees. Uh, Johnson wanted his friend Abe Fortas to be on the court. Uh, this is ancient history. So um, who was it? Arthur Goldberg was on the court. And it was like in those days, we were like one Jewish seat in the court. So you had to get Goldberg off the court. And so he said, hey, only you. He called him in. He goes, only you uh, could be our representative at the United Nations. I know you could help us come up with the end of the Vietnam War. Only you. And I thought about it. You're the only guy. And Goldberg like bought it. Right. <laughs> he stepped down. And they put right. in Fortis. But you, so you're, you're right. You're absolutely correct. Presidents and Supreme Court justices, they, that's the boss. And yeah. Amy Cody Bryant uh, Barrett well, knows once that. They get, once they get on in the past, then it is a job for life. So uh, presidents and parties have been disappointed. Uh, the uh, Warren Court, the Warren Court, Warren was a um, a, a, a right winger. Like I think he might have been part of the KKK briefly or something. No, not Warren. You're mixing him up. Uh, Warren was the former uh, Cal, uh, governor of California, yeah. and he was a quote-unquote moderate Republican, but he was the one uh, who uh, threw Japanese-Americans uh, into camps back in uh, – he was very ashamed of that. You're thinking yeah. of – I think it's Hugo Black – I'm doing this off the top of my head, who was a, a Supreme Court justice who was in the KKK at one point. Yeah. Uh, when he was yeah, a young, young man. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, but anyway, they have not been dependable, mm-hmm. which is why the Federal Society started um, vetting 
yeah. make sure that they wouldn't once they once they got this uh, lifetime job would wouldn't t- turn liberal on them or anything like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or uh, you say vetting, I say mass producing them, like you yeah. know, little machine parts. Uh, Monroe, let's uh, close down by uh, turning to a, a local thing. I uh, wanted to ask you about this. Uh, many, many years ago, I worked for an outfit called the Chicago Reporter. Uh, it was uh, published by another outfit called the Community Renewal Society, uh, which is like a, a do-gooder uh, liberal church group. And uh, they just pulled the plug in the reporter. I haven't talked about this on the show at all. I signed a petition of, of reporter alum, legacy members, people who got their start as a reporter. Monroe, you'd be surprised uh, at how many prominent journalists in Chicago got their start for the reporter. Uh, your friend, Laura Washington. Was, <laughs> your friend, Laura Washington. She was a rookie reporter when I was there, too. I was a... A rookie reporter as well. well um, Chicago Reporter and the um, City News Bureau. That's where a lot of young reporters got their start. Yeah. And two completely different outfits. I mean, the Chicago Newsroom was just the facts, man. Well, the reporter said it was just the facts, too. But the reporter grew out of Martin Luther King's um, civil rights movement in Chicago. Martin Luther King came to Chicago in 1966. Uh, to try to bring an end to a poverty. That's what his goal was. And Mayor Daley basically threw him out of town. Uh, and after King was killed, there were riots in the West Side Burn. And John McDermott, who was a, uh, a Catholic um, liberal at the time, very much a believer in civil, uh, open housing, uh, created the reporter to investigate issues of race. So, like, if you went to work for the reporter, Monroe, you're already kind of a liberal. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Uh, you know, and. Uh, desperately in need of a job. What's that? Either that or desperately need of yes. a reporting job. Yes, desperately. Uh, but a lot, a lot of them were like, they yeah, did have that liberal zeal uh, in, in, in addition to the desperation of uh, the need for the job. But do you remember that's where we met? Do you remember coming to the reporter? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I I remember coming to the reporter. This was uh, back in the early '80s, and uh, John McDermott, who was the head of the reporter, uh, came out of the civil rights tradition of um, where you would have uh, weekly meetings and you would break bread, and so we would have a lunch. And once a month, every Friday, we'd have the lunch. And once a month, he would invite a distinguished guest to come in and talk to us off the record. And one day. Into our uh, little uh, meeting room walked a Chicago Tribune reporter named Monroe Anderson. This is like 1983, I want to say. Uh, and uh, we, we he brought in three re- Tribune people. You came once, Leonita McClain came once, and Clarence Page came once. Notice any similarities of the people that he brought from the Chicago Tribune, Monroe? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. We... we, we uh, we were the unicorns. <laughs> and by that, what do you mean? I mean, there weren't many of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you made a real uh, impression on me because um, you kind of told it like it is about what yeah. it was to be a young black man working for the Tribune and uh, dealing yeah. with. Yeah. You, you know, and, and my other experience with the uh 
reporter was um, during the Herald's election mm-hmm. when I, I scooped all the reporters in Chicago on Harold being in the election. Mm-hmm. And I also had a piece um, predicting that the next mayor of Chicago would be black. Um, same paper. Um, and anyway, the Tribune puts together, after I did that, they put together their team to cover the primary, and it was nine white men. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I was quite upset. And um, Jim Wysela interviewed me because I was everywhere but in the Tribune talking about the rights. I was on TV, I was on the radio, uh, but I was not at, at the Tribune. And so Jim Wysela interviewed me, and I was still very upset. I mean, he wrote a piece for the, uh, the reporter. And in it, I've, I, I, I went too far. And Jim said, no, you don't want to say that. <laughs> because because the, the bit that I did say, there were some white reporters saying that I should have been fired for. And I just, you know, and I just said I was upset because I've, I was skipped over. Uh, so Wysel was uh, the writer for uh, the reporter doing the story. Uh, he actually looked out for you. He said, you went too far. Yeah, he told me he's going to kill one of the quotes because, it, and I can't remember what it was, but it was, it, you know, and, and, and Lysella was a, a, a great liberal too. And he, and he said, no, no, you, you can't, we, we're not going to put that one in there. He was looking out for you, Monroe. Yes. <laughs> he was he, looking I, out for you. Yes, he was. Now, what's your thoughts as a journalist on that? Like a journalist looking out for somebody that way. Uh, I think that's, you know, I, I've done that for people. And, you know, I mean, it's because it's a reporting, as you know, is a, a, a human interaction. Yeah. And so, and, and you have to, you have to get information from people. People have to trust you to talk to you on, on, on candidly. Um, my, my, my favorite story about that though, was uh, Ruff Ewing, um, who he was a TV reporter. He had been a fireman and was hired as a TV reporter. He worked for five, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, Russ would get dirt on people and then tell them, let's say that, let's say, um, you, you were having an affair. And um, so he come to you, a politician, not a, a pundit, but a, you know, a man of power in the city of Chicago, and he was covering you. He would find out that you were having an affair, and he'd come to you, and he'd say, "Well, I know that you 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 ha- you're having an affair with this woman, but um, don't worry, I'm not going to report it." <laughs> and after that, anytime Russ contacted you for anything. You were happy to call him back and talk to him because he had some facts hanging over your head. Now, now Monroe, how did Russ Ewing may he rest in peace passed on? I forget how many years ago. He was a legend. I didn't know him. I just saw him on TV all the time. He was a legend. One of his uh, this is a tangent on the story that Monroe told. One uh, his claim to fame was he would be the guy uh, that uh, suspects and crimes would turn to 
when they wanted to turn themselves in. You remember this one, Ro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he had some incredible number. I can't what, what, remember what it was, but it was it was double digits. Yeah, you know, I mean, in high double digits. They would turn to him because I, I guess they trusted him. And yes. They they figured that if he turned them in, they wouldn't get beat up by the cops. Right. Uh, you know. Or killed. They wouldn't end up dead. Yeah. Because then. But how did you know about with this other. Pra- I never heard that before about Russ. How did you know about that? Did he tell you that one day? Yeah. Yes, he did. He told me that. You know, Russ was really cool. I mean, he, he, he um, I can remember there was a fire on the on the south side one of those early morning fires you know like you know it's i mean nighttime fires that we were covering early in the morning and so we're all covering at the um tv tv cameras i'm there with the tribune and and this family they just been burned out of their home almost and um they were being interviewed And Rust, you no, know, it was a police raid. I'm sorry, it wasn't a fire, it was a police raid, but it was an early morning thing. And they had rollers, the women had rollers in their hair and their house coats on, and they were being interviewed by the other TV stations. And, and Russ pulls the women aside and says, you know, when you go, go on TV, it's kind of like being in a movie. So, so you want to have, he says, you know, he says, you want to look pretty. You, you want to have the rollers out of your hair? You want to put on your nicest clothes? Why don't you go do that, and then I'll interview you. And they did. And, and he, you know, his interview was different from everybody else's. It's, it was an image thing. Mm-hmm. He was aware of that, and I was really impressed. Yeah. That, that he did that, because the average TV reporter didn't care. They just were just trying to get, get um, video and, and, and get the story on the air, and that was it. Yeah, the average TV reporter did not care at all about the ordinary human beings who he was essentially exploiting right. uh, at that moment. Right. right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great story. And you know, in journalism school, they would probably teach you not, not to do what Russ Ewing did. You know, that, that'd be like getting involved in the news somehow or other. I'm with Russ Ewing 100. percent Like, yeah. If you're asking a, a a regular citizen, an ordinary human being, to share something with you, you kind of owe it to them to a certain degree, you know what I mean? Not to damage them. You follow what right. I'm saying? Right. Oh, exactly. No, yeah, cause we, them harm. Yeah, yeah. because we, we journalists have power that we don't think of and, and we have impact. Um, when I, when I was an intern at the Gary post tribune, 1969, oh. I was covering a story where um, somebody's kid had been murdered and the police have found them. And I called there the house to get a reaction from the family. And they didn't know it until they got my call. And they were screaming in the phone, as you might imagine. And it was like, it it sent chills down my spine that I did that. You know, because that's not the, I I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I was just trying to get the news. Yeah. So, but anyway, the, 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 going back to the reporter, it, 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 it did good stuff. You guys had some serious um, investigations back then. Yeah. We, uh, if I must say so myself, uh, 
those days in the eighties, we were always writing about inequities in, in Chicago, uh, like the park district inequities, white parks get more, uh, money than black parks. And, uh, uh, that's, you know, John McDermott, that's what he preached to us. He used the power of the press to try to expose these inequities. And we're doing Dr. King's work, uh, carrying on Dr. King's work. Uh, and uh, so I was really disappointed to see the Community Renewal Society pull the plug uh, on the reporter. And I'll probably bring on Monroe, some reporter alum, to talk about it at greater length. Yeah, because um, didn't you know why? No, I, I, there, the, whatever the stated reason, which was so made no sense. I can't even, I can't even, uh, how do I say this? This is like, I can't even, uh, explain it because it made no sense. It's I've, I've had this conversation many times, like I'll, my wife will be really upset about something she reads in the news and she goes, why do they, why are they doing, why are the Republicans doing this? And I go, I wish I could tell you, but what they say makes no sense. So I don't know why ultimately uh, they're doing it. So we'll have we'll probably take a deeper dive on this at another time. But uh, I just had to take this moment to, uh, A, sing the praise of the Chicago Reporter, remind people. That's how I met Monroe Anderson, a very young Monroe Anderson, uh, coming in the newsroom of the Chicago Reporter, eating hey, the food me, with us. You gotta go, but let me tell you this one thing. The reason I went happily is the Tribune paid its journalists thirty-five dollars per public. (laughs) 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 And so, wherever any invitation I got, I was there. Wait, (laughs) you know what? By the time I got the Tribune, my final year of the Tribune, eighty-four. Yeah, that year. I had made um, $3,000 more in public appearances because my I was a columnist. And I, so I mean, if, 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 if a dog catcher asked me to come to the, the, dog, the, the dog pounds uh, to speak before four people, I was there. Well, let me just say this, how devastated I am by that revelation. All these years... I said, oh, Monroe Anderson came uh, to the reporter because he wanted to hang out with me and Laura Washington. Right. And now it turned out he didn't care about me or Laura Washington. It was that $35. Uh, no, actually, no. Actually, I was quite honored to be invited to go speak there. There you go. That and the $35. Was another incentive. I, mean, yeah. I didn't say no to anything, any invitation. There you go. That's more like it. All right, Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson, every Wednesday right here on our show. Uh, And Monroe, I'm going to urge you this. I think it's this um, Friday on Netflix, the Chicago 7 movie drops. That's your homework assignment. I may not have told you this. I want you to watch that show. Uh, And I know it's something you would watch anyway. Uh, I, mean, I was I was there. Yes, I mean, you get hit in the head. Yes, uh, exactly. So I, 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 I'm anxious to see it, um, to see how realistic it is. And well, uh, we'll put college there. Yeah. 
supposed to be a good movie. Uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed it. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Abby Hoffman. Uh, so uh, Sergio and I will be doing a, uh, a whole show on it, I think, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, and uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts about it. Uh, some real live history that you lived through uh, on the screen of Netflix, the Chicago 7 trial. So we'll be talking about that next week, I'm sure. All right, Monroe, stay okay. safe and sound and keep practicing that Tai Chi, all right? All right, that's Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson. Doctor, do you got any updates for us before you head out that door? Absolutely, I do have updates. And uh, for the record, for $1 million in Illinois, oh, I would so consider voting for Donald Trump. Oh, wait, time out. $1 million in Illinois, yes, but... I want that money up front because I don't trust Donnie Trump. You hear what I'm saying? I'm with Monroe Hunter. I want it in cash. I want it up front. Okay? And then I deposit it. And then, okay, now we can talk turkey. Yeah, yeah. A million dollars could really help a brother out. Sorry, Joe Biden. Come on, man. (laughs) By the way, I just have to say something. What? I mean, Donnie doesn't know who you vote for. He's not in the booth with you. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Take the million dollars. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. (laughs) You take the million dollars. I want proof you voted for me. (laughs) He would probably stand in my, make me go vote by mail and look at it. You know, he'd probably sign the ballot. All right. Here's your million dollars. Hey guys, it's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Woo! All right. So I have not one, but two Illinois election candidate campaign ads here. One is a very positive, uplifting, motivational ad from a feisty Democratic challenger. The other, a greasy, downright dirty attempt to scare the crap out of everyone. (laughs) First, we'll do the Democrat. Okay. Now, Ray Lindsay has a tough battle ahead of him on November 3rd. He's squaring off against 12th Congressional Republican incumbent Mike Boast, a.k.a. this guy. I'm sick of it every year. Oh, my God. Power to one person. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew you would like that clip, by the way. I knew you would like that. That was from 2012. Uh, Mike Boast. Uh, He was just railing on uh, Mike Madigan. But uh, here it is. We have the latest uh, from 12th Congressional District Candidate, the Democrat, Ray Lindsay. Ben, weigh in with your thoughts after the end. Our founders gave we the people all the power, but those in Washington sometimes forget. In financial crisis, Mike Boss bailed out big corporations while workers got laid off and jobs went to China. I worked in a coal mine, got a degree in economics, and created thousands of jobs. My recovery plan improves health care and puts people and small business back to work. I'm Ray Lindsay, and I approve this message because it's time that we the people show bailout boss just how powerful we are. You knew it was only a matter of time until Ray Lindsay had to put an ad out here to keep up with the competition. I'm sick of it every <laughs> year. Ben, your thoughts. Well, uh, we talked about Ray Lindsay in this race, Mike Boast, uh, downstate race. I, I equated Ray Lindsay uh, to uh, uh, your good friend, Bob Diber, who uh, ran for governor, and he's a Diber downstate Democrat. Uh, and it's his issues are economic issues. And I wish the Democrats would emphasize those issues more. 
Uh, they don't. They um, are so afraid of <laughs> emphasizing those issues. Like we see with the fair tax. This is a this is a progressive populist tax plan that would raise taxes on the wealthiest people so it could cut it or freeze it on middle class people, working class people, poor people. Democrats are afraid. They're like hiding from it. You know what I'm saying? Like Pritzker's got his neck out there, but you don't see Lori Lightfoot banging a drum for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's Democrats run away from the very issues that, in my humble opinion, could get them votes in downstate districts, places like Alton. And that's what Bob Diber did in the gubernatorial campaign. He ran on economic issues. Wish I had voted for him. Sorry, Bob Diber. It's like my great regret of 2018. And Ray Lindsay, as I, I, when I looked at his website, D, and read about his background, he reminded me of Diber. Same kind of downstate populist Democrat. And that's exactly what that commercial is all about. The system is rigged, to quote Donald Trump, folks. When Donald Trump cut taxes on the wealthiest people, he raised them on everybody else because you still have to pay to operate government. And uh, it's, I don't know, that's a hard concept for voters to get. And it's really hard because Democrats won't hammer it. Democrats would rather run on something like, I don't know, um, right to choose abortion issues. I'm for abortion rights, but it's not the only issue out there. Democrats would rather run on what? You know, clean up the environment. I'm for cleaning up the environment, but there are other issues out there. Democrats are scared to run on populist issues. So I appreciate the downstate Democrats who do that. A lot of guts running in a red district. You know that, D. Those like got Pritzker sucks signs everywhere. <laughs> you know, Trump flags flying everywhere. It's one thing for like Lori Lightfoot in Chicago to blast Donald Trump. Everybody applauds her when she does that. But if you stand up to Donald Trump down in the 12th congressional district, you know, you're taking a, a stand. So here, here, Ray Lindsay. Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. Frank says, Bob Diber rules. I'm like, you're damn right he does. We got to get down to business. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a great guy, Bob Diber. All right, our next campaign ad comes from what I've been calling the sleeper race of the Illinois general election. It's the heated rematch in the 13th Congressional District between Republican incumbent Congressman Rodney, I hate Mike Madigan Davis, <laughs> and his Democratic challenger, Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. My Lord, we've heard so many ads from both candidates in this election. And, well, we have another. Like I said, this one is from the incumbent. And, guys, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but according to Rodney Davis, Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan is bad. And since Mike Madigan and Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan are both Democrats, Dirksen-Londrigan is bad, too. More of the same bullshit in three, <laughs> two. <laughs> what? You've been on a podcast too long. That was not radio school. It was very funny and very true. But how unradio school of you? One, Mike Madigan, investigated for corruption, over a million in bribes. And Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan is raking in cash for Madigan and his cronies. Now a lobbyist turned politician, Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan's pals in Springfield are helping pay her bills. Thousands from lobbyists tied to more corruption. $300,000 from Madigan's machine. 
Betsy helps pay their bills. Springfield pays hers. That's Springfield Sleaze. That's Betsy Dirks and Lonvergan. The NRCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. <laughs> what a bunch of BS. You got it right. She got nothing to do with Mike Maddie, and she's got nothing to do with her. But the Republican Party has successfully invested a lot of money into demonizing Michael Joseph Madigan, and they're not let, let they're not going to let that little tool go out the window. So that's the game they're playing. Some downstate voter go, oh, I don't like Madigan. Yeah, people are voting for against the fair tax. They don't like Madigan. They're being offered a tax cut. You saying? But see, that's the problem with the Democrats. Now I'm on a, I just wrote about this for the reader, D. Democrats, man, I don't get to Democrats. I'm a Democrat my whole life. I don't understand Democrats. I will never understand them. They're so afraid of certain issues. So it's like they're offering people a tax cut, but they won't say it. They talk about the fair tax. Well, it's fair. Nobody, know, nobody cares about fairness. People care about money in the wallet. All right? So... It's going to be a tax cut for working class people, middle class people, because richer people are going to pay more. Why do you think Jennifer Pritzker is against it? Duh, you ever think about that? Well, why is <laughs> Phyllis against it? Springfield politicians, <laughs> they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional oh amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes. Hold on. Huh? Yeah. I, I just got another. Phyllis, stop calling me. In the middle of the show, I ain't like Dennis. I don't like you. Now, Phyllis, that's not nice. No, he's nice. You're a hippie. Okay, so I'm hanging up. Phyllis always calls me in the show and calls me a hippie. Anyway, dumb Democrats. That's what I was talking about. So, uh, yeah, they're going to, oh, I hate, I hate Michael Madigan. I'll vote against the fair tax, even though it'll raise my taxes. Well, I'm not that bright. I'm a Democrat. Sorry, D. Didn't mean to go there. That's anyway, okay. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, they got, hey, Ronner has spent a lot of money demonizing Michael Madigan. Republicans aren't going to waste it, D. They're going to use him for absolutely everything they got. And when he doesn't work, they're going to go to Kim Fox. It's Mike Madigan and Kim Fox. And then throw Jussie Smollett at you every now and then. <laughs> Those three, that's, that's what they got. They got Michael Madigan, they got Kim Fox, they got Jesse Smollett. Yeah, see if it works, D. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Seriously, Phyllis, stop calling Ben during the show. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. All right, before we roll out of here, we would like to send our condolences to live stream chat listener, Radio Doogie. Uh, he posted on the live stream chat here. Most horrible news I found out this morning. Old Country Buffet at Brickyard will be permanently closed. Uh, Radio Doogie loves the Old Country Buffet. He says it was the last one in the state. Uh, the website uh, saying they were going to reopen soon. He's been waiting and still nothing. And apparently it's permanently closed. Uh, any, uh, any advice you can give to Radio Doogie here in finding a substitute for the Old Country Buffet? There is none. And uh, I share your feelings. I loved Old Country. I remember the first time I went to the Old Country Buffet. I walked in. I was like, 
Oh my God, this is heaven. First of all, there's like unlimited macaroni and cheese. Have I ever told you how much I love macaroni? It's like, wait a minute, hold on, let me understand this. If I pay the $5.99, I get as much macaroni and cheese as I want. That's correct, sir. And fried chicken. Whoa! <laughs> I love country buffet. I, there was a country buffet on the road. I forget where it was. They, they didn't have them in Chicago for some reason. I don't couldn't come into Chicago, but it's like every now and then I would go out to the boonies and there was a country buffet somewhere. There it is. Let's go. Uh, and so, man, the macaroni cheese and the fry. I'm with you. Ray. I'm, I don't know what to say. You know, the days of buffets are over uh, with COVID, obviously. So it's just a thing of the past. It's sort of like a transistor radio. We can talk about it, but millennials will be like, what's that? <laughs> or uh, the rotary phone. What's that? <laughs> so years from now, I'll be sitting around. You should have seen Country Buffet. You get all the macaroni and cheese you want and fried chicken. And the tapioca pudding. Do you remember the banana pudding? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. The oh, banana yeah. pudding. Uh, Country buffet. I know all about it. I used to go there, too. Uh, so condolences once again, Radio Doogie. Uh, ben, has he's got nothing for you. He's just as heartbroken uh, about the old country buffet, or as Ben calls it, the old country buffet. I've never heard anyone yeah, call it the buffet. <laughs> I call it the buffet. Country buffet. <laughs> Let's go. There it is. <laughs> My family didn't like it as much as I did. Isn't that funny? It's like, God, I'm having more. And then, like, they would get the macaroni and cheese, but they wouldn't finish it. I would eat theirs. Like, you don't need to eat mine because they got a whole platter. <laughs> ah, it just it's right in front of me. Oh, Ellie. I feel a Benny J bonus interview on mac and cheese coming very soon. Very, very soon. Love, love, Doogie, love join Ben. Cheese. Come on, let's do it. All right. Uh, hey, make sure you follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from uh, with your message. It's really helpful. And you can call us 708 658 4788. That number again, 708 658 4788. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. By the way, in about 45 minutes, our dear friend David Ferris will be on the horn with us. We'll do the interview, drop it at 7 o'clock tonight. Looking forward to that. David Ferris. I can't wait to hear him talk about packing the court. He's not going to shy away from it. He advised Democrats into it years ago in his book. So I'm sure we talk about Amy Coney Barrett, Donnie Trump losing his mind, suppressing the vote, et cetera, and so forth. David Ferris uh, will be joining me in about ooh, 45 minutes. Oh, he's going to be uh, fired up. Hand him that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if David Ferris is a fan of Country Buffet. Uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Um, anyway, I want to thank Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson, the great Chicago journalist, uh, for being my guest as he is every Wednesday. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show be possible. And as David Ferris and Monroe Anderson and Amy Cona Barrett will tell you, back home in Alton, what? they call him Dennis. That's it. Just Dennis. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Well, we got to get down to business. We got to get down to business.
gotta get down to business. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes.